Hello, wonderful people of the world, and welcome to season three of Go Out and Talk to Strangers. My name is Adi, and I'm an nomadic architect and the founder of the new movement, architectural studio that designs one-of-a-kind, innovative, and creative projects worldwide. During my travels, I'm constantly meeting incredible people, people who are reshaping the way we live, work, and connect. The reason I started this show is because I want to highlight the ones who are leading the way. This is the place where I host thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and founders of unique projects to share their stories and insights. I want to invite you to be part of the change. If you are looking for something bigger than yourself, if you feel that we can do better, that standard is simply not good enough, you're in the right place. I hope you'll enjoy the show. And today I'm very, very happy to have Edo Sadikovic. Hi, Edo. Hello. Hello, Adi. Thank you for inviting me. I'm so happy to have you on the show. Thank you again for being my guest. I'm going to tell a little bit about you and let me know if I do it correctly. Okay. Okay. So Edo is the co-founder of Sendei, one of the first rural co-living spaces in the world, located in, North, in Spain in a 20-inhabited village Sende hosts creative and digital nomads from all over the world in the last eight years. Edo is interested in building communities, rebuilding villages, conflict, borders, and maps. And I have, I have a feeling that this episode is going to be very, very special. So thank you again for being with us, Edo. And let us start by simply asking, how are you today? I'm uh, fine. Good morning from uh, Portugal. Right now I'm in, in Portugal where we are uh, building Sende 2 also in one village so Ooh. yeah usually i live uh, without a special routine so my days are always full of kind of constant contrast between the rural area and then between uh, i don't know recording podcast or doing something uh, online that is uh, quite uh, maybe modern for, for that kind of age so i, I love this like uh, brutal contrast uh, of, of living then also half of the day maybe I spend uh, with workers with construction workers or having lunch with them and, and uh, speaking about uh, building topics speaking about uh, uh, like uh, for example in this setting uh, cultural life of, of, of Portugal and then maybe in the afternoon I would be doing something uh, I don't know building some online new online uh, program so it's a uh, It's quite interesting. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, we live in very interesting times, right? We can be present in one place, but at the same time, we can be very active in doing so many things online, connecting people, and also having the freedom to work from anywhere. It's pretty remarkable, and which brings me to, to your project. So let's talk about Sende number one, the first one. And you were one of the first rural co-livings. How did it all start? Yes, Sende, was, uh, Sende started in 2013-2014 and uh, is the first co-living of, of, of this kind uh, in, the, in the world because it's located in the village, in the village of only 20 inhabitants in, uh, in Galicia, in northern Spain, right on the border with Portugal. And uh, it started actually, idea started uh, uh, maybe in 2010, I'm originally from the Balkans, from Serbia, and uh, I was organizing uh, this international 
programs for young people in one mountain. In one village, we would uh, rent one mountain, mountain uh, home, and then we would bring people from all over the world to uh, speak, to do worship on one topic. For example, we would uh, work with uh, conflict transformation, peace building, human rights, and social entrepreneurship, like this, 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 uh, mostly of these topics. And uh, we would notice that whenever we organize a similar project in the capital, in Budapest, in uh, Belgrade, in Zagreb, mm-hmm. in uh, Strasbourg, somewhere in the city, then uh, it's much more difficult to build a small community or nice friendship among the participants during the seven days program. But when we do the same in the village, it works uh, incredibly. Just because there is no distraction, there is no... like I always like to say that in the village we get around the one light. Mm. And in the city, you have uh, thousands of lights. You have bars, you have discotecas, you have uh, kiosks, you have uh, shops. And uh, in the village, you have one fire. Everyone is around fire. Or we have one light under where we are having dinner. Or we are cooking under, under one light. So it's like, uh, um, it's the, just the setting of the nature. And usually, uh, I work with urban people and I move urban people to the, to the rural place and uh, and it's always special because when people are kind of in different settings that is uh, unknown uh, they also kind of tend to be maybe a bit more creative or they they, they tend to be uh, they tend to get out from their, their normal um, settings and and that's why like uh, what we learn there is that uh, we learn much more in the village than in the city and then one day one girl said hey but why don't you build this uh, seven day program that will last forever and that was the click like that we need to build some space where where we will bring all the people that we meet on our travels bit by bit and they do something so not just we wanted to build the world house there was no in 2010 i didn't know about co-living it didn't exist like also this digital nomadism maybe it started around 2010 in this form so it's like uh, uh, we want to build the world house where we will bring international people and our friends from all over the world but not for tourism okay come here we will have nice time but uh, let's also build some project together and uh, that was the idea that uh, that started uh, Sende. Amazing. It was one week, right? The original gathering. And then when you thought, was it in Serbia? Yeah. Okay. And then you just thought, why not make it into a lifestyle? You know what? It reminds me of Burning Man. Mm-hmm. And then now there is the Fly Ranch project, right? Where people are like, why should we be able to express ourselves radically only five days out of the year? Why not live like this full time? But then the concept have to shift a little bit because it takes more responsibility for people to be able to live like this all year round and not only as a vacation or as an escape from who they think they are. How was it for you from the idea to actually starting a new project and, and Spain? Why Spain? Yeah, definitely it was. Uh, so uh, after we, I didn't organize one. So we organized many of these kind of events in, in, in the Balkans and Europe. And then uh, when, when this clicked, uh, also I met my, my partner there on, on one of these events and uh, she's Spanish. So we started traveling together. We went to live in Portugal and we wanted to build this project together. And then uh, we ended up uh, in Spain. We ended up in the, in the tiny village uh, where her parents had uh, one home, like a weekend home. And they said, hey, there are uh, like abundant houses in this village. There is only 20 inhabitants mm-hmm. live there. And we don't go there too much. So if you want to go there, uh, like uh, you can maybe buy uh, old houses which are quite cheap. 
and uh, maybe start project there and you can test if it's working. So we kind of had, uh, if, if, there, if we didn't know like this about this village, we couldn't find it ever on the map because uh, mm. this kind of village is that only the postman is passing, there is no bars, there is no, it's like very isolated. And, um, and yeah, we were like kind of dared to, to go there and to start projecting the, what our friends were calling ghost town. And uh, wow. yeah, it worked. Eventually, eventually it worked. Amazing. So how did you start? So, so you went there and you had this house and they're like, what's the next thing that you do? So we bought two houses, two stone houses, like uh, these are Galician stone houses that are kind of uh, with the walls of one meter, one meter stone walls. Mm. And uh, usually animals would be stashed down and people would be living uh, on the upper floor so they can get also heat from animals from down. And, uh, and they were abandoned for maybe 30, 40, 50 years. So they were like just uh, walls, basically walls with roof, nothing else without windows. And uh, and I'm also coming kind of from the town, from the city, and I I never had a village in my in my I was only only schoolmate in my elementary school that I didn't have a village, and now I'm think I'm only one who is living in the in the in the village. So I didn't know nothing about building, nothing about construction, mm -hmm. but we we knew what we want. So we say okay, let's figure it out, and uh, so we bought two houses. They were like very cheap. We had uh, we finished universities. We had uh, some. Uh, uh, student savings and uh, with neighbors, with family, we just started like, okay, let's rebuild these two houses, even provisionally rebuilt, and let's see if this works. If this works, then uh, then we then we continue, and then we organized first event for uh, for for people from the two local town, and then we organized first international events, and we said, okay, if people escape, we will return the money. We didn't know like uh, if people will be afraid or not. We say, okay, let's. Let's try to do this and uh, maybe someone comes because we really believe in this idea. And, uh, and yeah, we, like our first guests are still our friends today. And I remember uh, they are w w some of the first digital nomads ever because I was following these digital nomad groups on Facebook when they had like 100 followers, 100 likes. And now they are like 50,000 or 100,000. So 100,000, yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. I now actually I don't follow them. I mean too much. But uh, <laughs> when 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 it was starting, I was there among these uh, early adopter, and I would make list. Okay, there are these three events in the world where you can go go like digital nomads. So nothing else existed, wow. and um, and then I I was lucky enough to observe all this uh, upstream. So for example, one of our first guests uh, who was Mark from Australia. He, for example, he's the guy who went to North Korea before coming to Sende. And he was like one of the also first tourists now in North Korea that they have all. So like this kind of people come to Sende, which is, which is cool. We started attracting marvelous people from all over the world, but people who, who are tired of uh, Barcelona, of Madrid, of Rome, of big cities, they, or they saw it already. Probably they saw it already. Mm -hmm. And now they want just to um, go to rural uh, take time for the, for their thinking, take time for their cooking, and uh, basically to work, but also to to enjoy different kind of life. So, yeah, for me, Sende was a kind of um, masterclass in the last eight nine years. I learned, I don't know, maybe ten times more than in my university just by sitting with these people and having dinners. Nothing else. Even if I don't need to speak, <laughs> nothing. Just by listening what they are speaking, it's uh, for me was a completely new education. Absolutely, absolutely. I always feel like 
from each person that you meet on the road or as you travel it's like an entire universe that you can learn from and their stories and cultural background and what they do for a living uh, even the way i started my business i learned well my architecture studio is not very typical right we don't have an office i don't hire the people who live around me i hire people that i like and they're talented and it's just about it's not about the location anymore anymore it's about the the talent and I, I never knew that I can do that before I met this nomadic tribe and the people who are really reinventing how we do things. Uh, so I think this is wonderful. Uh, so the first group of people, how many were they? I'm just trying, because you keep talking about, and also I advise everyone who is listening to this episode to go check your LinkedIn profile. Edo is such a talented writer. He has wonderful posts and it's always make me think. Um, so small co-living. Why small? How? What is the right amount of people? What is too much? What is not enough? So yeah, when we started the first event, was uh, we had eleven people, eleven people, and this was like uh, uh, I remember when one guy from Slovakia bought it. Uh, Stanislav bought first ticket. I I didn't believe that someone will buy it because uh, hey, we are selling something in the in the middle of nowhere, and even not our family believes in us because uh, <laughs> hey. Today is difficult. It's always difficult to start a business, but if you start business in the middle of nowhere, it's even more difficult. And if you start yeah. building business that is uh, dependent on internet, and we didn't have good internet, it's even more difficult. So like uh, uh, everything was a kind of big challenge. But we say, okay, we will tell people the situation. Hey, you come here, you have internet. It's, it's slow, but uh, come here and do, and 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 let's see. And and it worked. So um, wait, so you were able. To attract nomads with bad internet, that's amazing. <laughs> we, yeah, we had uh, for five years we had horrible internet, but that's uh, that's some of the discoveries that uh, we learn on the way. So that's some of the discoveries that uh, also when I work with other colleagues, like uh, usually new colleagues, they always focus on wrong, uh, often on wrong things. They think uh, we need a beautiful bed, we need beautiful chairs and desk, and we need the uh, fastest internet in the world, and everyone will come. And no. So like uh, co our co-living and average co-living should be in the business of of uh, combating loneliness of digital nomads. Not uh, about providing services of giving beds because uh, anyone can now today book on Airbnb and booking in three seconds, beautiful house with uh, with any view they desire, but they cannot book friends and uh, instead that they can. So our we are in the business of providing fr friendship for people and uh, that's completely different. Oh, this is so beautiful. I'm going to quote you on this. That's the, that's the difference of the co-living space and the hotel. Uh, digital nomads are people who are 1% uh, in the world. They have good passports, they have money, and they can work online. That's uh, kind of unbelievable today. But they don't have uh, friends because their school friends or their old friends, they cannot be uh, become all uh, digital nomads. So most of them are working, most of them have family. So there is like... Maybe only one person from the group of all friends who becomes a digital nomad. And this digital nomad needs friends. So if they go to Madrid, even they have, uh, I don't know how many millions of inhabitants, they will be alone. They will be lonely. They will be in a hotel, beautiful hotel, beautiful room, beautiful restaurant, but uh, they needed to chat with someone. So when they come to Sende, they have kind of uh, 
they start cooking together, we give them onion, we give them beer, they are listening to the music and they start chatting and just over the first night they, they meet a group of people. So kind of this is the difference of what I would say proper co-living and not proper co-living. You asked before why, why I like small groups because if you see, uh, so the other day we had uh, this co-live conference uh, online and Virginia from co-live she said that uh, yeah urban co-living she still didn't see urban co-living with uh, community existing community and urban co-living became so big business and I would say they are completely different business than ours and uh, it's difficult to build community if you are for example urban co-living in Barcelona in Madrid wherever there are 200 people there 200 people and who are not digital nomads. Maybe one, some percent is digital nomads. They are mostly people who work in companies in Madrid. They will be there for one year or, or six months and they don't want to bother about accommodation. They want uh, to be in center so they can have a fiesta and they can, have a clo- they can walk to their company. And maybe sometimes they will cook together in the, in the space. So it's like very difficult that they build a meaningful relationships in the space with 150 people but yeah. when it's a petite committee when it's a small group like uh, i don't know if you if you had uh, campings when you were maybe younger or yeah. and uh, there, uh, sometimes in the campings we make friendship for forever absolutely and this is the same in sunday people make friendship that uh, people cry at the end they they when i told them that they will cry when they leave they uh, people don't believe and people often cry even on the seven day event that we mm-hmm. still organize people cry at the end just because of the of the setting of the environment but also the way how we kind of onboard people and uh, and uh, how we give them the freedom so they can operate like they want in the village while also being part of the community and i think that's the kind of uh, that's the kind of of skills that we we all who are all colleague operators should learn like how we can build community fast you cannot build community fast, but we can put the basis that so that community builds itself. And that's kind of it. That's, I would say, it's like a trick, if there is a trick of, <laughs> of running co living space, like how people can feel well in one space yeah. and uh, stay there and uh, work on their projects, but at the same time live, 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 live life. And uh, so, like, that's, that's kind of our job. Yeah, and I feel like we, we're taking it as nomads. I think we're taking it to the extreme, right? So we don't need anyone, right? We'll, we can say, we can rely on ourselves. We have the freedom to move around. But then after a certain point, you get so lonely. You just see connection. We are, as humans, we are wired to connect with others. And we are seeking that connection. And we're seeking emotional intimacy and meaningful conversations and yeah, to, to be humans again. So it is, you said that you're, you're setting, let's say that this trick or the basics, what are the basics that you need to have? Let's say if someone wants to start their own co-living project, somewhere rural, uh, how would you advise them to help people connect with each other? What do they need? It's quite easy. We need to design the spaces and we need to design what's what's going on around the space so it's oriented toward the community so for example if someone builds a, a co-working co-living space i would say that first build a beautiful kitchen then build the co-working space mm. and uh, that's also connected with uh, with internet talk we didn't have good internet but we had the community and we learned that actually digital nomads they never protested about bad, bad internet 
They say, okay, no problem. I'm a programmer. I don't need too much or I will wait a bit longer. So only when we have creatives who need to upload big files, then, then it's a bit of a struggle. And, and luckily we fixed it right now. But uh, people need uh, this social connection, as you said. Most of our clients are actually introverts. Introverts who need this human connection. And then they take then they take their own time when they want. So I would say when when people are building co-living, they need the um, kitchen is the magnet, natural magnet in the in the co-living space because people are hungry. So instead of uh, uh, one uh, community manager is pulling people, hey, let's do this uh, energizer, let's do this brainstorming, come everyone lift, blah blah blah. Like these are this uh, you are pushing people to do something, and in community you don't push people. People feel need to be attracted to something. Yeah. So basically, if we design a space where we, we will have a kitchen where everyone can cook, when, when three, four people can cook for everyone, that's already good. If you have a long table where everyone ha- can have a dinner, that's, a, that's, that's another step. Then if you have a programs that they will uh, uh, make people to grow together. We have these head talks that actually started by Roy Sorero. He's, uh, he's uh, also from Israel. Oh. Yeah, you know him from the group. So Roy Sorero, he came to Sene maybe four times or five times by now, and uh, he started in the he started this called Head Talk, which is kind of TED Talk with uh, head, and it's like uh, 20, 30 minutes uh, talks. Everyone can share something for other people. Mm. Usually it's around seven o'clock in the evening. There is a whiteboard, and everyone apply when they want to do the talk. So there is like uh, two to three to four talks per week, and so it's like. That's the moment when uh, people share something and other grow and 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 make all of us grow. No, mm-hmm. they make all of us learn. Then there is a so like basic so basic of co-living space is uh, to have uh, spaces where people will interact together and mostly interact about the same cause about cooking together or we have also these community jobs where it's like just one notion board where people can hey today I would like to paint something. Today I would like to help uh, neighbor Otilia to uh, to finish the garden. So we have these small tasks there. They go there and they pick tasks, and these are tasks that will move them from the from the screens and do something with their hands and uh, and feel good about this. Feel good about some purpose. So people would uh, build a chicken coop in Sunday. They would build a standing desk. They would build a, even this new internet was built uh, was a task of we did some impossible thing to, to, to build a fast internet Amazing. and uh, all of this was uh, because we give a task which will bring together people and uh, while they work on something they also become uh, uh, closer together and because friend and then the m- most important part of, uh, of running co-living is to give the freedom to people that people feel good so uh, in Sunday we don't have, we don't have uh, any uh, signs like prohibition side you don't do this or do that like uh, there are spaces where you enter and it just everything is aggressive you see 20 signs because yeah. there's also modern people they want to automate everything <laughs> and uh, they say okay I want to automate the running of co-living space so I'm uh, I'm running it but I don't I don't know what to I don't know I don't want to do to know about it and so you enter and there is like thousands of uh, don't touch this don't press this button and everything is like uh, don't uh, uh, be careful uh, blah 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 so this means that uh, uh, i don't know people enter in one very aggressive room in when, when there are signs signs around and uh, in sunday there is there are no there are no signs mm. so we also want that people so people, when they come, we also give them this opportunity to discover the village. They will be one month in a tiny village. 
So if you tell them everything, they will get bored first day. So yeah. basically, they after 10 days, they discover, ah, there was this secret garden here and I can go and read book there. Yes, because we didn't tell you about this, but good that you discovered mm -hmm. it. Some people go without discovering it ever. <laughs> and that's how they discover. We tell them, okay, enter the kitchen and uh, take 10 minutes to get to know where are the, all the utensils. Mm -hmm. Instead of uh, calling us to ask, go there and uh, make it make it your own kitchen. Like uh, find find uh, find uh, uh, learn learn where is the stuff. Simple as that, and it works. Like so, basically the we don't run community in send the community run by itself. So that's mm -hmm. why we have one WhatsApp group and people just chat. Oh, hey, dinner starts at this time today. Today I am cooking. There is this whiteboard where people organize cookings. And it works, uh, it works very well. Like uh, when digital nomads come to Sende, my work stops. Mm. I'm one of them. <laughs> Mostly during the month, uh, almost I, I work on my personal projects. I dine with people. I cook where I feel like. If you come, you cook when you feel like. So everyone, everyone do stuff when they feel like. That's why every night we have kind of gourmet meals. Every night is like... Uh, restaurant of meal that you would pay 50 euros or 60 euros in London or in in, uh, in some bigger city and and we are so lucky to dine so well because everyone cooks when they feel okay yeah and then when they feel okay they want to to cook something special for everyone so we we are lucky to eat locally but also to eat world cuisine mm -hmm. uh, from all over the world just just because people felt that they amazing to cook and there is always someone who feels cooking Uh, one day so we we were like uh, so it's, that that's really cool that's really wonderful yeah you know after one two three four days when people are cooking incredible meals for you you're just like oh i want to cook something for them right you just have that urge to spoil them as well i have two questions for you one of them i'm really curious about the village you said there are 20 people who live there at the moment that are not part of mm -hmm. Sente. Mm -hmm. Do you know what their experience is uh, having people from all over the world walking around? And the second question, I would love, it sounds so utopian, right? It sounds perfect what you described, but I bet like any project that you had to overcome some challenges. So I would also really love if you could share a challenge that you had to overcome because this is where we learn best. Yeah, so those two questions for you. With uh, neighbors, we have like we are. We were very lucky to have uh, wonderful neighbors who are. Uh, so if if there are twenty neighbors, seventy percent are over seventy uh, five to ninety years old. Wow. They are old. They are they are old, and there is like uh, one younger guy in the village, and that's it. So it's. Uh, When we when we came there, of course, we are foreigners, and this, this is this feeling also of digital nomads. Wherever digital nomads go, they feel foreigner. Even when they come back to their own country, they are foreigners because hey, you were 10 years out, now you are coming here, and you are not the same. Yeah. And uh, so it's a kind of feeling that the digital nomads learn. But uh, for our villagers, it was much tougher that we how we are going to tell them what we are going going to do. Even we couldn't explain to some uh, very young people what is co-living space uh, in 2013, how we are going to explain uh, 80 years old who don't even have a phone back then, uh, <laughs> like smartphone. Now they all have, but uh, before, uh, imagine, there, there was no internet or nothing. So it was... Uh, It was a challenge. It's like it's a big process. So it's it's bit by bit process where we go to speak one day. Then uh, we go. We try to help them. Then they don't allow us to help them uh, at the beginning. So it was like uh, 
bit by bit process of where we would uh, bring uh, people even like if I remember our first guys they had uh, one guy had a long hair and mustache and our neighbors uh, we had some neighbors who never went to the seaside even if it's one only one hour and a half mm. so they don't move from the village so they say oh hey I, they never saw maybe a man with a long hair and they ask us but uh, this guy does he has a wife? How she allows him to go like this? <laughs> and so it was like this. So just imagine the level of comments we were getting. We, we, are, we were abducting on their kind of uh, lifestyle. It was very difficult, but uh, that was, uh, that was uh, our role. We should adapt on, the, on their lifestyle and lear- learn from them. Even though we know so many things that, uh, hey, this can be faster done or we can fix this better. No, we will like, uh, accept what they say. And then I started fixing... TVs, like, uh, so neighbor, if they see me always with computer, they call me, hey, can you, my channels are not uh, in the line, can you please come to fix it? Then I fix their channels, then when they started buying uh, smartphones, then I I fixed them WhatsApp, so I started by showing uh, the modern part of the world by fixing all the TVs or by uh, fixing their WhatsApp and that's how we were like starting gaining trust bit by bit like the, we would go in the garden with them then we would uh, help them bit with gardens and uh, now they are used to it now they love it every day i would say almost every day during the season they would uh, bring us the veg- veggies because mm-hmm. they they have this culture of building big gardens because it's their uh, free time it's their work time they want to feel useful but they cannot eat too much so i think uh, Half of the village is having half of the gardens for us. Oh. And they feel good. And then we say, hey, come to see Julia, what we, this, we prepare this with your tomatoes and potatoes and or uh, come to try. And, and they love it because now they, they have kind of another purpose also. Wow. Uh, and that's why we have a lot of this community project where, okay, let's clean the village pool or let's clean, clean the road. Or, and digital nomads do that. So it's... Uh, uh, even if they don't speak languages, they, they get to inter- understand to each other. And especially when Spaniards come, it's much easier. So it's a uh, it's very beautiful relationship, I would say. Yeah, and maybe it's also a good opportunity for people, for newcomers to actually practice their Spanish, right? Because when people don't know English, that's where you can learn a new language properly. Exactly, but in our village it's even more difficult because it's... Uh, uh, we speak there Galician, but very hard, hard, hard Galician, which is kind of mix of Portuguese and Spanish. And so even for people mm-hmm. who say, hey, I'm probably, I, I learned Spanish recently, then they go there and they cannot speak, which is also funny. But uh, oh, no. but sometimes, yeah, <laughs> we even have like this small booklet with basic Galician words. And, uh, and what our people, what our villagers want, they want company. So that's why we try to bring even more and more Spaniards because what they like is to speak with other people. They don't need money. Mm-hmm. They don't need uh, uh, food. They don't need... Uh, they like to speak. So our uh, mostly village ladies uh, walk around seven in the evening uh, in the summers every night. So often we have a group uh, of people go and walk with them and then they are telling them village stories and uh, that's a very beautiful part of it. We are very lucky to have them there. That sounds very, very special. I should definitely come and visit. I will. And then there is this other company that you started that it's also very interesting, the Village Nomads, where you actually collect data. How about you tell us a little bit about that? Because that's also very interesting. Village Nomads is, uh, yeah, it's uh, my new project that... It's the online platform where we deconstruct what digital nomads do for a living. So we 
try to understand uh, this uh, how this new digital nomad business works and we try to translate it in uh, simple tutorials where anyone can follow the steps and learn this craft so this cannot be done with uh, programming we cannot teach programming in one tutorial but we can uh, for people who like for example writing we can we have tutorial we teach them like okay this is a kind of commercial writing or content writing how you can transfer your writing skill into your job and it's and it's amazing because uh, we really try to be social project and for someone to live, we call it village nomads because uh, there is so many people in around our village and villages all over the world that are basically forced to live and to live in the big cities. Even they don't want, they are forced to live in big cities because just because there is no money in the village. And uh, that's why we call it village nomads because we take uh, what digital nomads know and we translate everything so someone can work from village, stay in their own village or move to the village and work uh, work online. So now we have, for example, in, in this program, even people uh, from, uh, I don't know, from Armenia, from Georgia, from Azerbaijan, then people from Ecuador, free people from Colombia, then even people from uh, Central Europe, they are taking these courses and they are uh, starting their small, small businesses because... Uh, it's very difficult to explain to people that they can work online. Until until you see it, you don't believe it. And we are lucky to live with these people. I live with these people for eight years. So I'm learning that uh, in every group there is some kind of weird digital nomad job that I said, but people are really paying you for this. And they say, yeah, yeah I live from this for, for years. So it's kind of uh, even... And by knowing this, I'm discovering all the time this kind of new new businesses of people. Well, you are a wonderful example, like a digital nomad architect. Ar <laughs> architecture is something that is very connected with a studio, with a city. There is one. Uh, there is a, I don't know if there is if there is a one small town. There is one architect per town, and that's it. But there is no digital nomad architect. So we are also having digital nomad architects there. We have uh, digital nomad lawyers and so many digital nomad medics also were coming uh, to Sende. So all this kind of industry that you, you think it's not possible to, to work on remotely or online, yes, it is, because uh, people are translating like kind of their, their skills to the, to the cloud. And uh, what we try with digital nomads is uh, to build very affordable courses and tutorials where people, anyone can take them understand them and then uh, apply them and we are using their like kind of UX and a very simple writing where we would like take complex topics and just uh, narrow it down and uh, explain it to people because what you offer village nomads is this because also mm -hmm. when we speak with people they say ah yeah this is my business and it looks easy but it's often it's not so it's, uh, i need to sit with them and or someone from out in it to sit with them and understand how they operate what they do when they open the laptop and how actually their operation work and then we just translate everything in the in the long tutorials that's uh, like kind of uh, compressed careers that could for careers that could be compressed and uh, yeah that's our next project that's really, really wonderful. So you're basically showing people what's out there. Like, hey, I know that you were taught that you only have this and this option, but actually, if you think about it, you can be all this. Exactly. And this is really brilliant. Wow. So I'm, I'll make sure to share the link in the episode for anyone who want to check it out. Uh, please go ahead. Okay. Let me just check the time. I think we're coming to an end. Okay. Wow. Edo, I really loved our conversation. 
And thank you again for being my guest. But before we go, there is uh, one last question that I usually ask all my guests. Uh, are you ready for it? Okay. Okay. This question is called the wild napkin. <laughs> so you go into a bar and you have a couple of drinks and your mind is really free. And all of a sudden you have the craziest idea, but all you have is a napkin. So you write it down and the next day you find it. What does it say? Well, it's probably something, uh, yeah, I love writing. Uh, I have this, uh, t- I, I invented one uh, condition for me and it's uh, called, you know, for uh, expression FOMO, like fear of missing out. Yeah. And so I have this one that uh, it's called uh, fear fear of uh, missing, pa- like FOMP, fear of missing to carry paper with you. To write down things, <laughs> so I always have these small notebooks, and I and I always travel with them. And if not, I have a, like piece of paper and a pen for just in case. So you often have ideas all the time, all the okay. time. So I I'm all the time like sketching, writing, and uh, mm. all ideas from Sandover came because I would have some walk or some travel and uh, or in the plane, and uh, so there I don't know there probably it would be some. Uh, Right now, it would be maybe a sketch of uh, houses that we want to build here in Sende, Portugal. Now we are thinking a lot what kind of uh, weird houses we are going to build here, like tiny bungalows, tiny, tiny houses oh. uh, to install here in around Sende, around uh, our property here. So probably there would be some sketch maybe uh, of some weird, weird looking uh, uh, house in mm-hmm. the morning. Maybe I will check uh, if it makes sense or it was completely cra- crazy idea but uh, yeah as you are an architect i like in the co-living this is also wonderful marketing for someone who started in co-living to to build space that is completely completely different that is like uh, this pinterest spaces that we try to save because uh, if someone spend time on thinking on uh, innovative design of their spaces or of or their co-working spaces for example co-working space with uh, 360 of windows where they can see the nature wherever they look and mm-hmm. now here we are even thinking if we can have a kind of part of the co-working space in the trees so basically you are in the tree where 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 bird where birds are living and you are working there so oh that would be amazing instead of paying to facebook for promotion instead of paying for ads if someone spend money on um, better idea or a bit, a bit crazier idea then uh, people will come yes. people will want to break they would like to share and uh, share on instagram share everywhere and uh, in my opinion this is much more effective and better marketing than than paying for it yeah i i couldn't agree more so it's memorable you identified it with the brand and you know with One of the things that I do, I study neuroscience and human-centered design. And the things that we look at, right? The more that we look at something, we develop an emotional connection with it. So when you have something unique that is interesting to look at, actually, you're helping people feel like they belong, feel like they want to spend time there. When something is beautiful, it's not only about the aesthetics. It really helps our body to feel better. And it affects our performance, our creativity. It's it's really amazing. So I'm so happy to hear you saying these words. And I'll make sure to see the sketch. I'm really curious to see how you think. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Edo, for being with us today. I'll share all the links to your website. And please, whoever visiting Portugal, Spain, or want to come to the annual gathering, uh, make sure to follow Edo and connect with his beautiful tribe. Thanks again, Edo. 
Thank you very much, Adi. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> Hi again. I hope you liked today's episode. If you learned something new, make sure to pay it forward and share it with someone in your network that might like it as well. Follow the show and rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. As you know, I love to hear from you. If you have a thought or a question regarding today's episode, go to the New Movement website. That's www.thenewmvt.com and use the contact form to leave us a comment. Thank you for being part of the change. I'll see you next time.